Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you really want to be safe, closer into the city you live in, the ones that are farther out are more susceptible to economic changes. Whereas the city properties closer in, they're always going to be highly desired. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times. And they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners. And they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff with us today, Nancy Braun. Nancy, how you doing? Great. Excited to be on the show. Yeah. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Nancy. She is the owner, and I love this title, broker in charge at showcase realty they are headquartered in charlotte north carolina and they are not only a brokerage but they are also they do property management as well so nancy in particular has been recognized and consistently ranked in the top one percent of america's best agents category for sales and volume by real trends with that being said nancy you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus Sure. I started my career in retail management and then went off to law school and then practiced corporate law. Then I lived my fantasy, which was seeing a chef owner of a restaurant for five years. And then I got tired of the cold. I was in upstate New York and beelined for Charlotte, North Carolina, 21 years ago, which was a great decision, a great life, much easier on the body, nicer environment. And moved down here, didn't know what I wanted to do, and was urged by my dad to take the real estate class. Took it, didn't really have much interest in real estate, didn't know anything about it, but that career stuck. All my other careers kind of had a five-year turnaround, and this one I've been in 21 years, and 
didn't really know anything about real estate when I got here, but joined a local brokerage and became one of their top brokers. And 12 years later, I opened Showcase Realty in 2008, right when the recession hit. And we've been growing ever since. You open it up at a very interesting time in 2008. Tell us about what that was like. It was. I didn't really see it coming, but we fortunately had a good niche with the REO foreclosure market. So when I simultaneously opened the company, I really focused big time on growing the REO division. So at that time, that's how we grew and we focused on marketing. That was my big thing was the internet digital marketing before a lot of the bigger brokerages even took hold of that. So we had a tremendous internet presence and at the peak of closed 525 units one year and bulk of that was REO. So when the market shifted, we shifted before it shifted, knowing that the REO was going to dwindle. And now we have probably a, I think it's reverse. It's about 80% regular real estate transactions and about 20% REO in that kind of dynamic where we kind of change with the times before the times change. So we're not obsolete. Do you anticipate another change coming so you can change before the actual change occurs? Yeah, I think it always happens. So we're all just sort of sitting, especially from an investor perspective, we're all waiting for the market to shift since the prices are so high and there's so little on the market. So there is an expectation that there's going to be another challenging real estate market and we're positioned so we can grow that division back up again. But fortunately, my traditional real estate will stay strong. So that that I'm glad because they kind of feed off of each other. So my REO listings and my short sales and distress listings drive a tremendous amount of leads. A lot of people are interested initially in trying to get a deal. So they contact us first. They may not buy a foreclosure or short sale, but We've got them, hopefully, as a client to buy the right house for them or the right investment. So a lot of investors come to us because they know we have a strong foothold in the REO market. So we have great relationships with all the banks and asset managers out there. So even when the market starts shifting, I think we'll be in a good place. From a management standpoint, how many units do you oversee? How many units do you well, manage? Well, we have a small showcase. I have a division, it's actually a company called Showcase Property Management, and we probably just manage at any one time about 50 to 70 properties. It's not a large division, but it also makes it very personal, and we take a real personal approach to it. As the owner who's overseeing all the different types of revenue streams coming in, how do you identify where to put your focus to help the increase the overall profitability of your company? That's great. I've been in the midst of that right now. I've been trying to recharge and re-energize the divisions that are bringing us better profit rather than just more revenue. And our general brokerage, the average buyer and seller and investors really are the bulk of our profit drive. So I'm focusing a lot on just building up that segment of my company. The REO has become so that I can manage that pretty easily, but the profit is very low. The banks have really shaved the commission split to us and the tasking is very labor intensive. 
So it's not a profit segment of my division. It's kind of like the lost leader in a grocery store. Yep. You need that cheap milk to drive them in there. So that's what drives our investor focus. Investors love us because they see that we have a strong inventory of distressed assets. But I think that's really good. You have to keep on looking at your business and your business model and seeing where you're shoving a lot of money or time or energy in and where that should be refocused into a side of your business that's making you money. And I noticed you didn't mention the property management, the 50 to 70 properties and growing that or optimizing it. Actually, that is one of my strategies. It is an area that has been profitable to us, but it would certainly be a lot more profitable if we had more doors. So that's an area that we need to build on as well. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you've got the general brokerage where you're working with buyers and sellers and investors, that's the main profit machine for you. And then you've got the loss leader of REOs, and then you've got kind of the wild card of property management. How do you choose to spend your time to focus on what's making money now versus what could be making more money? Yeah, I'm like engrossed in that right now. So I'm trying to build my retail division. I have and my own little team. And that's where these are people that I've worked with, buyers and sellers I've worked with in the past. They trust me. They know me. They specifically asked to only work with myself or my team. So I can't delegate those clients over to my independent contractor agents. And that's the division I'm kind of focusing on right now because it's doing very well. And I have control because I have my employees focusing on that segment so I can dictate to them what exactly they need to do to make sure that each of my personal clients gets the same quality experience from Showcase. Now, if I delegated a client to one of my independent contractor agents, it doesn't necessarily transcribe to the same experience that my specific team has. It's a craft because we follow a protocol and a system, very systematized, so that especially our sellers get the exact same experience and same marketing. And obviously, we want to make them lifetime clients. So that's element focusing on hiring people to be in that division that are really quality A players that will do things as I dictate that they need to be done or as the team dictates how things have to be done so each client has the same quality experience. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the focuses is building that division, getting the right people in the right seats. Okay. You've mentioned ensuring or at least attempting to ensure that the same quality of experience is experienced by clients, whether they're working directly with you or with your immediate team and then trying to scale that. And you said you've got a system in place and that's really important to you. What aspects of the system are have been improved upon the most since you've started creating a system? Communication. That is critical, especially when you're talking about sellers. They really want to know what we're doing behind the scenes. They want to have a clue on where our marketing is. Our sellers are much more educated and internet savvy today than they were 10 years ago. They go online and they want to see that their property is marketed everywhere and that they can find it online very, very easily. So they're checking on it. And we have an incredible team of marketing specialists that make sure that the property's blasted everywhere on the internet and has very strong SEO. So I have an SEO person specifically focused on that. And then we update the clients with 
snapshots of everywhere they're exposed on the internet, as well as the hits and the interests that they're getting. And we make sure that they know when we're boosting ads on Facebook and targeting ads, they're getting copies of everything. So we have systems in place and that certainly took us a long time to create so that they were engaged in the same processes that we're doing. So they don't second guess us and think, what's my agent doing? I think that's the biggest problem is a lot of agents work really hard for their clients, but they don't relate to their client. What happened yesterday and what happens tomorrow and where you're going to be in the next day. And we have, it's strategic. Our placement and our focus is very strategic. So that way we don't just plaster the internet with their property on day one of when it goes on the market because Google hates that. They want to see steady progress. So we have a calendar that's a live calendar that the client can click on any day and say, oh, look at where I'm going to be on this day and look what they're doing on the next day. So it's very, very strategic marketing. That is. It's so methodical. I hadn't heard of a process to that extent or that detailed and it holds their hand along the way. How many updates, and perhaps I think you might have answered it with them just being able to log into the calendar, but when you were saying when you boost a Facebook ad, things like that, they get an update. How many updates are too many updates for the client? They're insatiable. They want so much. <laughs> <laughs> and there's never too much. Right. I think if they were notified every day, they'd be happy. But we definitely let them know professionally on a weekly basis. We give them an update. And then I've done live webinars with them and I let them see my screen and they can see there's ways that we can figure out how many showings are going on in their neighborhood or their zip code outside of their listing. And I can say, look, if you were priced in this price range in your neighborhood, you would have had eight showings this week. Mm. But because you're priced at this other bracket, you've only had two showings this week. Should we shift to the other bracket? Because that's what's getting all the activity. And the clients love it because it's so transparent. They really see what's going on in the market and they're not just feeding them a bunch of baloney. They can actually see it and they go, Mm -hmm. wow, that really, I'm not strategically placed in the market. I need to reposition our listing. Let's pretend that same client has gone through the process with you and gone through a successful closing. And now it is... Seven months from when you closed, what, if any, communication have you provided to that client on a regular basis to stay top of mind? That's critical too. And we have a closing process. So we obviously send a handwritten thank you note after the closing. We call that week to see if everything is good. Do they need us for anything? Water heater work? And do you need any of our vendors? And we send a gift. And then we put them in a program that is called our seller suite. So they get updates on their community. So if they're moved to a new neighborhood, have a new address, then they will get updates on all the properties that have gone on the market or under contract in their particular neighborhood. I think everyone wants to know what's happening in their own neighborhood. Yep. Are the prices shifting? Are they changing? Are they selling fast? So they're just emailed listings in their neighborhood as forever. So they can just see what's the pattern in their neighborhood and how their investment is doing. So we do that. And then obviously we put them on a drip so they get updates on how the market is, what's going on in the real estate market and the the local market. And then it's really my job to keep calling them and seeing how things are. There's more things I can do and those things are in place. We're trying to create a better 
mail campaign as well. So that they're getting new more newsletters from us and more updates. As far as the seller suite goes, where you give them updates on their community, is that a software program that you created or is that just a name that you created for a subscription to the MLS in their neighborhood? We use Commissions Inc. So we have to just place that client into the seller suite with their new address and then they'll be auto emailed activity in their neighborhood. Got it. What would you say is the number one way that you stay top of mind with your clients after the closing? If you had to pick one. I think Facebook. We do a lot of focus of our marketing on Facebook. So obviously invite them to follow us on Facebook once we meet them, once they come on board with our company. And then they're going to see updates. They're going to see recent souls, recent new listings, but they also see personal things. Like about 20% of my posts are personal. Then they're going to see what's going on in the market. Video is one of our biggest drives. Everyone loves video. So we do a lot of video posts on Facebook. I think that's probably our number one. You work with investors, right? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a story about working with an investor and take that in whichever direction you want to take it? Well, we work with mom and pops and we also work with hedge funds. So totally different experiences. Working with someone to buy one or two properties that they envision owning and maybe holding and renting out as a future investment for them. Those are always very personal because it's their life savings and very important that what they pick is going to be a profitable, strong investment for their future. So recently, my babysitters were Brazilian and they had some inheritance that they could flip some money over from Brazil, but it was like their life savings. And we bought a couple homes for them and they're easily rented and they're going to be great investments for them down the road when they want to sell them. But they're probably going to hold them a long time. They trusted me because they've been with our family for so long. But then on the other side, we work with hedge funds that we do acquisitions for them. And it's on a computerized program where you plug in numbers and you have to meet certain fields and it's just a machine. So it's not as personal. It's just do the numbers work. And I'm sure that a hedge fund buys, in general, more than a mom and pop person, correct? Yeah, ideally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if their numbers work, it's right. tough right now. You know, that there's so little on the market and the hedge funds have really tight numbers. We have a multiple offers scenario. It's tight. It's really hard to meet those numbers sometimes. What are the typical numbers of a hedge fund that they're looking to achieve? Most, if they're holding, they want at least a 5% or above net on the rent. So when you factor in their figures, that could be tough because they have a lot of holding costs and carrying costs and they have cushions built in so that they are going to see at least a 5% net. A lot of them have very similar criteria. They want to be in great school districts. They want to have no obstructions, no visual views of cell phone towers or corner lots. They don't like water around them. They have to have amenities in the neighborhood. They have to have a two-car garage. You can't be older than 10, 15 years old. I mean, they're all after the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's tough. How'd you initially get connected with your first hedge fund that you worked with? I think it's usually someone mentions me to someone oh, did you speak to Nancy? Or I think I went after the first one. I did initially a large hedge fund I worked for. And I think I went after them. I saw them starting to acquire a lot of properties. And I 
did some research and we'll contact them. But sometimes it's just they find me because we have such a strong internet presence and they know we have such high inventory in the distress market. So we're kind of well suited to assist hedge funds because we have the expertise and the experience working in this arena. Based on your experience, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Best advice ever for real estate investors. It's all different. Some people want different things, but the best advice, I guess, is to get something, if you really want to be safe, closer into the city you live in. Ones that are farther out are more susceptible to economic changes, whereas the city properties closer in are always going to be highly desired. Mm. Got it. As long as it's not in a bad pocket, but eventually perhaps that pocket will change. Yeah. As long as it's close in. I'm not afraid of buying things further out either because it's cheaper, but it depends on what level of safety you want and how risk adverse you are. Mm -hmm. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Hey, you went to law school. You are ready for this, believe me. Uh, Uh, First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellynn.com forward slash show. All right. Best ever book you've read. Oh, best ever book I've read. I'm reading 10X right now, which I love. Okay, by Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. Best ever transaction you've done, either buying your own or working with someone? Uh, I bought my own recently in a transitional neighborhood close into town. And it's like an old bungalow. And I just think it's going to be a terrific investment. It's easy to rent and it's charming, has a lot of character. And it'll either keep it for a long time and rent it out. I even thought of doing an Airbnb with it because of proximity to the city. A lot of choices. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I bought a, a property once. My staff messed up and made some mistakes. With, and the asset manager was mad at me. So I said, I'll just buy it. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. And I've done that before. I'll just buy the property just to get the problem solved. And it's been a headache ever since. <laughs> its condition was horrible. It's out in the country and it's on a well and septic. You don't want to do that. You know? <laughs> oh, gosh. I hate, I hate that property. So. <laughs> <laughs> so note to self, if someone else has a problem then don't just buy the property from them. Well, don't buy something old and, yeah, well and septic, yeah. Well and septic, noted. What's the best ever way you like to give back? 
We are very focused on that. I'm on the board of directors and advisory council for the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Charlotte. I'm there almost every week. We are one of the top donors to the Boys and Girls Club in the Charlotte region. And I love the organization. I love the people in it. I love their gratitude and the results. It's very result-driven, and these kids are really different, not because of their membership in the Boys and Girls Club. And 94.5% graduation rate in high school, and a lot of them go off to college because of their experience there. So that's very fulfilling. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your company? They can call myself, 704-488-3109. Go to my website, showcaserealty.net. They can email me, nancy at showcaserealty.net. Well, if they can't get a hold of you after those three things, then there's a big problem. (laughs) Nancy, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about your macro level business and your approach right now, focusing on profitability, where the majority of it's coming from with the general brokerage, growing the property management, and then REO kind of as a loss leader. I love that example of the grocery store milk. And then the approach for how you stay top of mind with your clients after the close, handwritten thank you notes, gifts, a call the following week. You've got monthly updates about their community and then your drip campaign as well as using Facebook. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.